0: Hi, my name is Alan. I'm a business designer, and welcome to the Beyond Users podcast, where we learn about business to become better designers who not only solve user challenges but also achieve business goals. Hi, and welcome to another mini DMPA episode. This is a type of episode where we take a business concept and see how it's relevant for the work of designers. In this one, we're going to look at a framework or a concept called growth share matrix also known as BCG matrix because it was developed by this famous consulting company it is a tool that can help us understand what type of product or services we have in a company and we as designers basically if we work on this type or that type of product what does it mean for us should we be more creative or should we just basically try to keep the product as it is divest it uh, shortly and focus on something else So I think it's best if we just look at um, the framework in general, what it is, what it's trying to explain. And then we're going to look at one example. So basically, this framework is divided into four quadrants. It's two by two. And it basically divides uh, products on whether they have a low market share or a high market share and a low potential growth or a high potential growth. And each of these four quadrants have a really uh, interesting name. So let's begin with the first one, um, which is a question mark. So a question mark is a type of a product that has a low market share currently. And we're not sure what's going to happen with it. It could become really big or it could just die quickly. So that's a question mark. And each company probably has a few question marks, which are just kind of a new baby products we try to test it to see if they can be successful or not. Then we have stars. So the stars are the products with a really huge potential, but they already have a high market share. So these are usually the best, uh, not performing, but the products that we push to the forefront the most because they help us get investors, they help us get new uh, team members because they just are usually the sexiest products. Then we have cash cows, which are the products that have a high market share, but there is very little room to grow. So that's why they're called cash cows, because usually they give us the stability in terms of the profit and revenue, so we can invest in our stars to grow them, and also invest in new question marks to find new products. And then finally, a lot of the products get to the dog stage, which means they have a very low market share and also very low uh, potential for growth, which means that they're usually discontinued. It doesn't make sense to invest in them them anymore, so sooner or later they are discontinued. And one of the most fascinating examples in the recent history in the business uh, world, uh, which we can use to try to explain and understand this framework is Apple. And we're gonna start our story in uh, 2007 when Apple's best-selling product was iPod. At that time, iPod in this framework would be seen as cash cow. It definitely generated a lot of revenue and profit for the company, but there wasn't um, basically big room for growth. That's why Apple took the revenue and the profit from this product to invest into question marks. And one of the question marks in the 2007 was iPhone. That's exactly the year when it came out. And that was an interesting move, Um Because at that time, we really didn't know if iPhone is going to become a star, a cash cow, or if it's just going to be quickly discontinued. Sure, customers were intrigued and the first early adopters bought it. But this was far from making it like a staple product that it is today. So in 2007, iPod gave stability to Apple to develop the question mark, uh, which at the time was iPhone. So, um, and the third category, the stars at the time were iMacs, MacBooks, uh, just the notebooks, basically the computers. Uh, At that time, they had a relatively high market share, but there was still a lot of room to grow, which later basically materialized. So now if we fast forward to, let's say 2016, the picture changes drastically. So we've seen the drastic growth of iPhone for 2007, 2016. It definitely became a star and actually in 2016 it kind of peaked in terms of the revenue and in terms of um, the growth. And in 2016 with the release of iPhone 6 and iPhone 6s, iPhone for the first time saw a decline in the units sold. Uh, which which kind of signaled that iPhone is no longer a star, but it's becoming a cash cow. Really interesting interim story that I want to talk about here is how Apple tried to solve this. So usually when you have a product that kind of peaks in terms of the units uh, sold, then you try to uh, position it as a cash cow internally and look for the next big thing. However, what Apple has done is they've tried to continue the growth of iPhone by not selling more iPhones, but actually by increasing the price. If you look at it from the business perspective, you are looking at how much revenue is generating a certain product, right? So, And the revenue is a function of price times quantity of the products sold. So if I cannot sell more products, the only way to increase this formula is by increasing the price. And that's exactly what Apple has done, right? Uh, you've recently seen quite a big jumps in their prices. So the flagship product usually was around, well, it started around six hundred, all the way to up a thousand dollars, which we all kind of felt is going to be the sweet spot for the upcoming years. However, recently Apple actually broke this barrier of a thousand dollars, and now the flagship products are going for around one thousand two hundred, all the way up to one thousand five hundred dollars. And that's how Apple is still keeping iPhone as a star, even though in terms of the units sold, so how many products they actually sold, it is kind of being stable. So it's not growing anymore. It's not also decreasing yet, so it's kind of stable. But still, I would say looking from 2007, iPhone has gone through being a question mark to becoming a star to now slowly becoming a cash cow. So, if you would be in Apple, you would also be asking yourself, "Hmm, what is next? What is our next iPhone?" And Apple has been introducing a lot of products, trying to find the next star. I would say it's not has not found it yet. I think one of the best bets so far has been Apple Watch, uh, which was introduced in 2015. Is a big question mark, and there was a lot of hype around it. And I still feel internally Apple is treating it as a star, but it's not proving to be one yet. Another question mark they recently launched um that is in my opinion becoming a mini star is airpods um so airpods have been introduced just with the hope of maybe being an accessory, but actually they become really really popular, and they've been very very profitable for the company so they've contributed a lot now in terms of the revenue but we're still not sure if they um if airpods are going to become the next big thing and also it doesn't feel like they're the next big thing because they're kind of cheaper from the other products that apple has so i almost feel like it's like a mini star mini product that could supplement something else so if you think about the latest conference uh, the um, the conference that apple held um, and what they introduced, this is usually where you can see how the company is thinking about the next product portfolio strategy and what they are thinking, where the growth could come from. And in the last one from Apple, they've started to really push the services. Right? So, moving away from hardware, still, of course, doing the hardware, but they're looking at services to help them increase the revenue. So, that's why they are introducing the Apple Card which is basically targeting the huge, huge banking industry. And also the Apple TV, which is kind of going head to head with Netflix, which is another huge market which could help Apple grow its revenues. And uh, basically, these are the two question marks at the moment, in my mind, the, the ones that could become the next huge stars um, and potentially cash cows. So, I think we are entering the stage where iPhone is definitely a cash cow, and um maybe to complement and to finish the whole story, who is a dog currently so in the same conference that Apple Card and Apple t v was introduced, Apple also talked about discontinuing iTunes, so the core product, the core software that helped launch iPod and iPhone is' no longer necessary, so it's being discontinued. This is a typical thing that happens with docs. So what does that mean for designers working at Apple or for you? You know, like one thing I would definitely suggest is looking at types of products and services you have internally and trying to just in your head determine where each of them are. Am I working on a question mark? Am I working on a star or or maybe doc? You know, because understanding what type of product or service you're working on really helps understand what your role as a designer should be. If you're working on a doc, questioning every design decision, questioning who you're targeting, trying to raise prices, etc., isn't really something that a management is looking for. It's just trying to understand how they can divest, so stop investing in this doc, maybe take certain assets and implement it into another question mark or a cash cow, right? However, if you're working on a question mark, then yes, Questioning every single decision, like who are we targeting, rewriting value propositions, adding features, changing features, improving all of that stuff is super, super important, right? So you're really free to usually come up with new stuff. And then if you work on a star, thinking about uh, growth is really important. So, how can I, with my design decisions, help um, facilitate the growth? Is there something I can do to increase how people onboard? Uh, how people understand our product, how they use it, how we can uh, increase the word-of-mouth marketing, etc. And if it's a cash cow, then you really need to talk to the management to see, hey, do we still want to invest in this? How do we want to go about it? Should we just try to keep our current customers, improve the user experience for them, etc.? So you can see how really understanding where in this matrix, this framework, your product is can help you strategically think about a product and strategically think where your work can have the highest impact. The one thing I want to still mention about this framework is that there's certainly certain criticism about it, that it's too simple, and I completely agree with this. But for the use case of designers, thinking about different products that we have in the company, I think it's great just as a thought exercise to understand that products have different life cycles different expectations and I think there's a lot we can learn from that and apply to our work cool so I hope this is something that you find useful it's actually one of the concepts we also cover in the dmba the next one the next dmba is actually starting soon on september 16th and uh, if you're interested we will actually open the regular window applications next week on monday so this is August 19th. So we opened the early window applications uh, three weeks back and got so many applicants that we actually decided to open the second cohort. So, so this time, for the first time, there are going to be two cohorts of 30 people with designers from all over the world. And so there are a few spots left. So if you're interested, I really suggest either signing up um, for the newsletter or the waiting list on the beyondusers.com slash the MBA. Uh, and then you'll be notified on Monday as soon as the applications open, um, and then you can apply. And if you're already subscribed to the list, then watch out for the email because I guess the seats, those that are left are gonna be gone very soon. So um, be quick to apply soon. Um, so here is also what our alumni, Tim Hofer, working for the AGN Smart in Berlin is saying about this course and his experience at the course? So I'm pretty busy. I don't have a lot of time. Um, so I didn't want to do another uh, shallow surface level course where in the end you get just a certificate, but you, don't, you, you didn't actually learn anything. So um, my experience with the DMBA was that you actually do learn a lot during the six weeks. And um, I've, I, I learned a tremendous amount of... New tools, new skills that I can apply to my day-to-day work. So it was definitely worth the time. Cool. Again, if you're interested in joining, you can uh, sign up for the waiting list at beyondusers.com/dmba. And that would be all in this episode. I wish you a very nice week, and talk to you soon. Bye bye.